0: This episode of Converge with my guest, Allison Vesterfelt, is sponsored by Faster Mind Coaching. Faster Mind Coaching is your personal trainer for you and your business, getting the kind of real world results you've been looking for at a price everyone can afford. For more information, check out fastermindcoaching.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. One of the many gifts of writing is it allows you to not only share with others ideas wrapped with words that could make a difference, but it also allows the writer themselves to find their way in a new way, and sometimes in surprising ways. Our guest today is Alison Vesterfelt, and she is an author. She wrote the book Packing Light. It actually won the Silver Medallion Award, and she's written a number of other e-books, The Chase, Writing to Find Yourself. She also has this incredible site called Author Launch, if you yourself wanted to be a writer. She's a, an inspirational speaker, writer, life coach, incredible person. And as you get to know Allison today, not only will she help you identify the gift of what it means to create something through words, but also to make something beyond your words. And when that something connects specifically to your authentic self, it can make all the difference
1: anytime we want to reach out and grab onto something new, we have to let go of something. And there might be some grief in that, but the grief is worth experiencing and feeling because we can't move forward until we're willing to let go of our baggage.
0: I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Alison Vesterfelt, welcome to Converge.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: I, I, uh, I was joking with you before we started that the show really should begin to be called Nashville Today, uh, <laughs> because all my guests apparently are from Nashville. That's because uh, this is
1: where all the cool people live.
0: <laughs> but you didn't always live in Nashville. You you, you started somewhere else. That's why, true. Why don't, for, for folks who are unfamiliar with your work, why don't you share a little bit of what got you to today?
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. And lived there for most of my life. I went away for college for a couple of years and came back and was living in the city and really, you know, thriving, loving life there. But I finished grad school and started working full time for the first time, you know, after you finish school and you get your first kind of real grown up, big kid job. And I worked in that job for a couple of years. And as I got into the rhythm of things, I realized, man, this is really not what I want to be doing long term, which was kind of a scary realization because I thought, oh my gosh, I've invested all this time and money and energy into getting to where I am and I don't even really want to be here anymore. And during that time, I was talking with a friend of mine who was in a really similar position and we were just venting to each other. We were actually at another friend's wedding. And she said to me, she asked me a question. She said, what would you do if you could do whatever you wanted? If you didn't have to worry about money or what people would think about you or what your parents were going to say, if you could just wake up tomorrow and do whatever you felt like doing, what would you do? And I said, well, I mean, first of all, that's kind of a stupid question because nobody gets to do what they want to do. You know, all this stuff. I had all these excuses and she, I finally told her what I really would do if I could do whatever I wanted is quit my job and I'd sell most of what I own and I would pack my stuff into my Subaru Outback and I would travel all over the country. I've always wanted to go on a long road trip and visit all 50 states. And then I would write a book about it because I've wanted to write a book since I was really young. And so then she said, well, what's getting in the way of you doing that? What's stopping you? And I had, of course, this long list of things like I've got grad school loans. My parents would kill me if I was like, oh, by the way, I'm quitting my job to go on this road trip. You know, people would think I was crazy. I would... I would have nowhere to live, what would I do, this and that, how would I make money, all of that stuff. And as we started to talk it out, I realized, like, man, this is really something I wanted to do. So I just decided to start moving in that direction to see if I could make it happen. And four months after that first conversation, I quit my job, did everything I thought I would do. So I mean, sold everything, pretty much everything I owned, and then spent a year traveling across the country, and eventually wrote a book about it. And through that whole process, ended up moving. I met my husband maybe a year and a half or almost two years ago. We decided we really wanted to be in Nashville for the third and hopefully final time. We sold pretty much everything we owned. We packed all of our stuff into his Toyota Corolla, which we were sharing at the time, and uh, drove down to Nashville and started over.
0: Wow. So (laughs) there's a lot to, to pick out of that narrative. Uh, and i And I want to uh but before I jump into the details of that i 'm curious if you know if i 'm a listener to this and you know that converge is about it 's really talking to people who make things and make something from those things, whether it be money or a point or something else, and as they 're listening and they 're hearing your uh your adventure, which it sounds like not only brought you around the country, not only got you a publishing deal that actually really delivered you know you win this award, you discover you 're a writer. Uh, you hit all, you know, this incredible travel, you get a husband out of the deal, and then you get to land in Nashville. After leaving Portland, Of all, I mean, there results differ depending on the people. Like, is this advice you would actually give to somebody now? Because uh, it, it, it sounds a little nutty to, to it just is. Upper- I mean
1: It still sounds nutty to me. When I tell the story back, I think like, I'm crazy. How did I ever make that work? And I would never, you know, I joke all the time. I would never recommend anybody take the path I took. But what I would recommend is asking yourself the question my friend asked that day, which is what would you do if you could do anything? I think if we can really get to the answer to that question what would you do if you could do whatever you wanted, if you could wake up tomorrow and you didn't have to worry about what people were going to say about you or whether you're going to be able to make money doing it, or, you know, if it was going to win you any kind of accolades or attention, if you could strip away all of that extra stuff, what is it you would do with your life if you could just do what you really wanted? And when we can answer that question, I think we get to this really deep thing that's inside of us. That's the true essence of who we are. And There's such a power there that I think, you know, it's been a hard, hard few years. Obviously, it's not easy to sell everything and, you know, be traveling all the time and not feel like you have a sense of home or a strong community. There have been a lot of hard things about it, but I think what has kept me going is knowing I'm really going after something that I chose for myself, something I really deeply wanted and something that was every day making me more and more like my true self. And so... I think when we can get to that, not only does it give us an incredible creative energy, um, it also the the result tends to be this really kind of interesting, exciting, beautiful story, whatever that looks like for you.
0: I'm curious what what did you study in grad school?
1: I studied education. I got my degree to teach writing, and I taught high school for a couple of years, and then my final my final year was teaching middle
0: school. And your husband's a, a bit of an entrepreneur as well, right? Oh, yes. And this, in my mind, creates this kind of dynamic duo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I've I've seen what your husband looks like. We've met on yeah. Skype. And I think you guys are wise to make you the face of the brand. You know, no. <laughs> uh, but but uh, talk a little bit about what you guys are doing together.
1: Well, we've been working together from really the minute we met, which is cool. We actually met. This is a fun story. We met because I wrote an article for a blog he happened to read every day. And I had written this article about how I'd quit my job and gone on this road trip. And he read the article and thought to himself, like, that's so cool. I've never thought. I've never met a woman who would do something like that. That sounds like something I would do. So he reached out to me and long story short, he reached out to me. We started communicating online and then I flew to Minneapolis to meet him for the first time. Wow. And really from that first week we met, we started working together. He immediately said, hey, I know you want to write a book. I have connections in the publishing industry. I could represent you. I could, you know, try to get you a book deal. Um, he was running a couple of conferences at the time. So he said, we could hire you on and you could come do live tweeting for the conferences. I did that. He had a few clients he was designing for like designing websites and had asked me to write copy for the websites. So there was this really cool dynamic between us from the minute we met where our skill sets matched up really nicely. It's been a really fun, really cool, really challenging journey.
0: Yeah, it sounds incredible. And currently you guys are Again, multifaceted, it sounds like uh, like I'm reminded. My wife and I, she's an advisor role to me, but we were very clear early that um, we love each other too much to work together. Um, yeah. But, but uh, as you guys have worked that out, you guys have come together to create this really great project for for people who want to write their own books. And I want to get to, to that particular conversation later, so don't let me miss that. But I also want to keep the flow of what you've already started talking a little bit about. and And that's actually the process of traveling and writing and and real i mean that kind of you know kerouac like on the road get to it just sounds so romantic like you know route 66 and you're just you know waxing poetic and and uh and you come up with this great this great book packing light and and the fact that you are on route doing it it just sounds so exciting and i should also give credit where credit's due i first learned of you in that book thanks to brian brian gardner over at studio press and, uh, and it sounds like you guys have become friends. Talk a little bit about um, the book itself. Like, what What is it about this notion of travel and being sensitive to um, uh, baggage <laughs> that we carry yeah. and kind of what you wish for people to live a, a more authentic life?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, when I first left to go on the trip, I started a blog called Packing Light because- I was physically, literally packing light. I was, you know, I hosted this huge yard sale in my parents' front yard and sold all the furniture i had collected over the years. You know, it was all, it wasn't, none of it was that nice, but I, all the things you collect, all, all my CDs, all my trinkets, you know, my clothes, I cleaned out my whole closet and everything that you sort of hold dear and laid it all out on the lawn and sold everything for, you know, $10, $5, $1, 50 cents, the way you do it at a garage sale. And then fast forward a year to the day I came home from the trip and I had a friend ask me, is there anything you miss that you gave, that you sold or gave away? And I literally could not think of one thing. I, I mean, I had memories of books. For example, I remember like watching this guy come and kind of pick through books and buy them for 25 cents a piece. And I had spent a long time collecting all these books. And I remember when she asked me that question, I thought, I, I do remember feeling sad over these books, but I couldn't name the title of one book that I still wish I had. And then we somehow find a way to let go of it or life finds the way to rip it out of our grasp and then we fast forward a year and realize, man, I didn't even I don't even miss it. I wish I don't wish I had the life I had before when I was holding on to those heavy things. So that was really the process for me on this trip was Understanding that so much of of what my life was, so many of the decisions I had made were based out of fear and obligation and this sense that, well, this is what everybody else is doing. This is how you have to do it. And I was terrified to let go of those things because I thought, well, if I break the rules and then my life ends in shambles, then it'll be only me to blame Uh, but at the end of the trip, I realized I had broken all these rules. I had let go of all this baggage. I had stopped worrying about what my parents were going to think about what I was doing. And, you know, I mean, at the time I was 28 years old, well, I guess I was 26 when I quit my job. I don't know why I was still at 26, so worried about what my parents were going to say, but you know, I was, and, and then, you know, I get home and I realize my parents are actually quite proud of me and of the accomplishments I've made and that I don't miss Those relationships that were really holding me back more than they were helping me, I certainly don't miss the insecurity that I've now overcome because I've realized failure is not the end of me and all of these things. So the metaphor became so deep for me as I traveled that anytime we want to reach out and grab onto something new, we have to let go of something. And there might be some grief in that, but the grief is worth experiencing and feeling because we can't move forward until we're willing to let go of our baggage.
0: Can you say just a little bit more on, on grief? Because I, I think it's tempting to to understand that conceptually, but you really mean grief. You mean like pain. And, yeah. And uh, I well, wonder if you could like give a concrete example.
1: Yeah. So here's a great, the best example from my whole trip is this. So one of my biggest fears going on the trip was if I quit my job and I sell everything, then I will never get married. And I don't really even know what the connection, I don't, that connection now in retrospect doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But at the time, I think I thought like, Okay, people get married when they kind of have their life together. So they've got like, a good job, a nice car, a nine to five, 401k. And then, you know, once you've kind of pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, then someone would be interested in marrying me. <laughs> so I was so worried that if I let go of all of that, I would never get married. Well, I finally make the decision to go on this trip and I kind of make the resolution to myself and I sell everything. And just a few weeks before I leave to go on the trip, I reconnect with this old friend of mine who we had, you know, had a romantic relationship maybe three or four years prior and we reconnect and things kind of get rekindled with us. And it seems like this is perfect, you know, like, and I, we spend a lot of time together. He tells me, you know, I'd like to date you even while you're on this trip. I'm so I so admire what you're doing and I I'm so impressed by you and I want to date you even while you're on this trip. So it felt to me like okay, this is the answer to my question. Like I can I can have it all. I can let go of everything and I can still have this really meaningful relationship with this person. And so as I'm traveling, he's this really constant steady thing to hold on to for me and we fall deeper and deeper in love as we travel. And then I get about halfway through my trip and I'm in New York city and we have a conversation that effectively ends our relationship. And I mean, I cried. I cried when, after we hung up the phone, I sat in my car with all my stuff. I mean, the the imagery here is so strong, right? Like everything I own is in this tiny little car and I'm sitting on the side of a street in New York city and people are passing me by. Nobody's noticing. I'm just weeping in my car. And then, you know, I, I cried that whole night, cried for, probably a full week, just really, really grieved the loss of this and kept thinking like, this can't possibly be right. I, you know, should I, should I go home? Trying to figure out what I could do to regain this relationship. And then fast forward six months and I finally round the corner of the whole trip and come home for good. And I'm sitting in uh, my living room on the floor because I have no furniture (laughs) and I'm writing this post, crossing my fingers and praying please, I'm going to send this to this guy named Jeff Goins, who has a platform. He lives in Nashville. And I'm going to ask him if I can guest post for him. And the post is all about how I've quit my job to go on this road trip and what I've learned while I've been gone. And I'm crossing my fingers that he's going to say, yes, he'll post it. And I send it off. And little did I know as I sent off this post, that this post was going to be the post that really connected me to who would ultimately become my husband. So the the a metaphor there for me is really strong. I mean, I just think I was so scared to let go of this one thing because I thought this meant the verdict on my life was that I would never have a meaningful relationship. And meanwhile, the very thing I thought would prevent me from having a meaningful relationship was the thing that helped me to discover the most meaningful relationship of my life. And there was grief in all of that for me. I mean, I gr- I really grieved the loss of that that person in that relationship, but. I couldn't grab onto the new thing until I was willing to let go of what I had had. Does that make sense?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, I know that there's folks at home who are just, they might not have the same kind of particular thing that they don't want to let go. I know for myself, I have plenty of, uh, security blankets that, that, uh, really made sense historically, but may not make sense today. And, uh, that, that fear is, is palpable. Everyone can get that notion. And sometimes I think that notion of, you know, you have to let go of one side to jump to get to the other, it, mm-hmm. can, it can feel cliche, right, when it's just articulated out of context. But when it is contextualized, I'm struck by how how potent that is uh, and how real it is. And I guess the only thing I would say in response is I know there are folks at home who are who are honest and they, they say, I buy into that principle and that worked for you. But will that work for me? Like, is it a universal? Is it, is is it the kind of thing? And and what does it even mean, like, it working or not? Because the story sounds so great in retrospect, but when yeah. when it's live and you're looking forward and it's your best friend and you're having coffee, and they're just not sure and they're scared. How do you, how do you talk to them?
1: Yeah. Well, and I've talked to dozens if not hundreds of people who are in that kind of crisis point in their life either when I'm at speaking events and people hear my story and then they come share their stories with me or people who I coach one-on-one or just all different kinds of settings I did a whole pack as soon as packing light released I did a packing light challenge too and got dozens if not hundreds of comments on each post of people telling me kind of their stories and I always hesitate to promise like oh this worked for me so I promise it'll work for you too but The trend I have seen is definitely that what happens is even when you take small steps to let go of something, it opens space for new things to come into your life. So for example, the first, when I did the packing light challenge, one of the first challenges was just go through your closet and get rid of stuff you never use or never wear. And for for whatever reason, like when we start with stuff that feels so terrifying to us, it's just stuff, but it's not just stuff because it has sentimental value or we think, for some reason it, it represents some sort of security to us. Like I think I'm going to need that cooler someday. I haven't used it in four years, but I'm going to use it sometime. And so we hesitate to get rid of that stuff, but without fail, what I would find is every single time someone would go through their closet and get rid of stuff, it opens up space for more peace or, you know, maybe even someone that week gives them a gift. You know, it's not always that tangible, but something like more peace or more clarity or a calmness or a new spark of creativity comes to them just from the physical act of getting rid of physical stuff. And I think its I always say it starts with physical stuff and then it tends to move deeper than that. So I don't know. It's hard to explain it without sounding really cliche, but uh, hopefully that kind of gets the point
0: across. It does. And, 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 and so much of it really is a, yeah, if, if it's stuff that that's not going to deliver and you ought to travel light because we already know that's a sucker bet why not why not leap for something that's more substantive is that ballpark?
1: exactly absolutely
0: Talk a little bit about, about Author Launch and this, this project that you and your husband are doing together. I, I, well, and I'm assuming that's true. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's, Author Launch is his company and he just basically asked me if I would be, the person to kind of be in all the interviews and speak with all the authors and stuff. So I definitely play a huge role in it. I helped create all the curriculum and everything, but it's his company. So right. he's the brainchild behind it. I mean, he, I, it would not exist if it weren't for him, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: And, and there are a number of other players involved. Who, who are some of the other authors that you have enrolled?
1: Uh, Jeff Goines is one of them. Joshua Becker, who's a wall street journal bestseller. He's published multiple books. A few of them self-published and a few with a, with a publisher, Donald Miller, Crystal Payne, who's money-saving mom. She's self-published a bunch of books and published with a publisher. Uh, Sarah May, who does the Illum Conference. Um, Gosh, who else? I know I'm missing people, and I'm going to – there's about nine. Oh, Carlos Whitaker. There's about nine of us involved. Mm. Uh, Tyler Ward is another one. Yeah, some really, really neat people involved.
0: So neat people and super accomplished. I mean, if you added up the amount of just – yeah objective sales of all of the combined book, we're talking a lot a lot a of millions yeah, millions right, of books right, yeah right right and and given that it it sounds like its sole purpose is to to really remove the friction or the well the way i read it was like it's like a double dog dare to people who say they want to write a book someday that you're basically saying like well let's just see if you're really being honest <laughs> because yeah. like you're, you're like if if someone's in that position and they go to that site Either they're gonna find out they they actually aren't up for what they say they're up for, or they'll actually get it done. Is, yeah. Is that really the value prop?
1: I mean, really, we take away all the objections. It's like people say, I don't have the money, well, this is actually really inexpensive, or I don't have the time, well, this will only really take you an hour a day, or you know, we we try to we really do try to take away all the objections. And I think when I went through the book writing process for the first time, and I think I can speak for many of the other authors who were involved we all say, if we had had a resource like this, yeah. oh my goodness, holy right. cow, this would have made my life so much easier. And it's taken away so much of my grief and misery through the process. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, that totally resonates with my own experience with writing. So I love, 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 love that you have this methodical approach to invite people from whatever point they're coming at, whether they're self-publishing or they to want to get a deal with somebody, that you're saying, like, let's just get Let's just get an amazing manuscript done. Like, let's get you ready right. to roll. And, and by methodically walking people through the process, what can they expect? And how long do you think people average uh, take to, to realistically walk in, they think they have an idea, and, and when, they're, when they're done, they really have something they could run with?
1: Well, the process, the author launch process takes 46 weeks, so it's just under a year. There's 46 weeks of content, and that walks you through all, like you're talking about. The first semester is all about the ideation, so we, we help you solidify your idea and really push on it, make sure it's as good as it can be. And then the second semester is all about the writing process, so we walk you through each step through your out the outline you create for your own book. Then the third semester is editing, and then the fourth semester is the publishing process marketing launching process. And once you do that, once you've written an awesome manuscript, people can't ignore you anymore, you right, know? And right. the promise of author launch is not like you're going to write such a good manuscript, you'll get picked up by a publisher at the end. But I I wouldn't preclude that for people who, um, you know, I think there will be some people who go through the process who that will happen for. I think there will be other people who write a really beautiful, manuscript that is like a legacy piece for their family. I think there will be other people who will make, you know, a couple, just some fun money. They might make a few extra thousand dollars they can go on vacation with. Um, there will be other people who will see their church communities affected by the stories they write. There will be other people who will experience incredible amounts of internal healing, Maybe no one ever buys their book or reads it. Maybe they decide when they get finished with it, they don't even want anybody else to read it. But they experience this incredible internal healing because of the of the words they've been able to put down on paper. So, you know, it, I think that's the idea is that there are all different kinds of authors who come to the process for all different kinds of reasons with all different kinds of goals and who will see all different kinds of outcomes. And I guess we wanted to make the process accessible for everybody, no matter where you're coming from.
0: So, last topic that I want to address, and it connects to what you just shared actually, and that that has to do with this idea of like finding voice or a writing to find yourself and you mentioned it as one of kind of the possible outcomes for folks so they could find a lot of inner healing or find a way to describe an experience or put words around a set of feelings when you're engaging uh, whether it be first time authors or just colleagues in life or you know old friends or whoever and they They get into a dialogue around the connection between internal uh searching and writing and the benefits of those things. Uh, how do you talk about that in a way that isn't just about the labor but is about about the benefit?
1: Well, I always say it's so easy to get stuck in um well, this is what happened for me when I was first thinking about writing *Packing Light*. First of all, my first thought is, "Oh, it's already been written." There are a dozen other books just like that. People are always say, already saying everything I want to say, and people are doing it better than I am. You know, Donald Miller, Anne Lamott, Kathleen Norris—people who are writing these kind of faith journey type memoir books who are, I mean, the books are so beautiful and they've completely impacted my life. And I'm a new person because I've read these books and it's like, wow, how could I ever compete with that? Why would I want to even try? So that's the first objection usually is, you know, it's already been done. And then the second objective is, oh, I'm not going to sell any copies. No one's going to buy it. No one's going to read it. It would be just a big fat waste of time. Those are the kind of the objections that come up. And what I always tell people is forget about all of that. You know, the process of writing a book is so life-changing because something happens when we start to edit. We start to see our story on the page. We see ourselves with a new kind of objectivity that we couldn't have achieved before. Whether or not I ever make any money from it, whether or not I win any awards, whether or not it hits the New York Times bestseller list, whether or not anybody else reads it and has changed, the first and most important thing is I'm changed through the process And I truly believe that what happens is when you submit to that process and you allow yourself to be transformed, then your readers become transformed too. And, you know, I, I get emails from people all the time who still packing light is more than a year old. And I get emails from readers who say like, man, I quit my job because I read your book or I've been wanting to move to such and such state to do whatever, fill in the blank. And I read your book and it, it was the last thing I needed to push me over the edge. Or the most surprising thing is I'll read from women who will say, I almost didn't read your book because I'm a mom, I've got four kids. And, you know, I thought. Well, this is just like some entitled young 25-year-old girl who can do whatever she wants. And what do I have in common with her? But I read your book and I realized, man, there is all kinds of baggage holding me back in life. And it's cool for me to hear those stories, not just because, I mean, obviously, it's cool because it's like, wow, my story has changed people's lives. But even cooler than that is like, yeah, that's the same transformation I experienced in going on the trip and in writing about the trip.
0: This was episode 043 of Converge, the business of creativity podcast. Convergepodcast.com is our home where you'll find past episodes, as well as Faster Mind Coaching, affordable business coaching for the rest of us. Music today provided by Music.com will sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Kweza at Creative.co for our audio production. And a special thanks to Allison for being with us. Visit her at allisonbesterfeld.com. Finally, if you haven't shared an episode of Converge with a friend, would you of one person right now who would benefit from conversations with seth godin chris Gillibo, and hanley ryan holiday and many many more and invite them to join in it's easy you caring enough to do that sort of thing is a nod to us that we're doing something right and it's a really big deal so thanks that's it for now i'm James sanders i cannot wait until next time